Hello and welcome once again to Bullet Points. I'm your host, Ed Smith. I'm joined as ever by Reed McCarter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Patrick Lindsay. That is me. And our special guest this week, he's a writer for Paste, Arcade Sushi, and according to his Twitter bio is, quote, the internet's only good boy, Terence Wiggins. Oh, yeah, that's me. And that's, that's not, I didn't, I didn't come up with that title myself, it was, it was given to me by, um, uh, of college humor, Caldwell Tanner, he gave me that name, or that title. Based so. on what? I don't know. Just your, just your general, my, uh, my, polite my presence. Name. Yeah, your amiable <laughs> behavior. What what would it be for? Uh, what would you put for yours, Ed? The internet's uh, only. The internet's only sexy boy. <laughs> Literally the only one on the internet. The there is no other. The I mean, internet's the, only angry British person. Mm. Yeah, there's there's none of those anywhere else on the internet. You can't find those, particularly on YouTube. There's a real drought. You know, I'm really going <laughs> really to fill that market at some point Um, so this week we are talking about Mafia 3 uh, the game that came out this year from uh, it's published by 2k it was developed by Hangar 13 uh, a studio which was directly set up to handle the Mafia series uh, which was obviously previously developed in-house by 2k the last entry being Mafia 2 in 2010 the first entry being Mafia in 2001 Uh, In Mafia 3, you play Lincoln Clay, a black Vietnam veteran who returns to his house in New Orleans in the 1960s uh, and is dicked over by the eponymous Mafia who tried to kill him, uh, kill his stepfather and his... Is it his stepbrother or is it half-brother? I don't remember. I believe that Ellis is... uh, Ellis is, what's his name? Sammy's son, right? Yeah, Ellis is Sammy's son and then he's just like the adopted... Right. Okay. Yeah. Your your adoptive stepbrother quote. Yeah. Um, and then Lincoln goes on a kind of one man revenge mission against the mafia and single handedly uh, dismantles them from the bottom to the top. Um, it's an open world game, slightly in the vein of Grand Theft Auto, slightly in the vein of you know Just Cause or the other kind of open world stalwarts. But uh, unlike a lot of those games, Mafia Three is actually very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, we're off so to the races. We're off to the races. Let's get out the gate. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to throw first, as we always do. It's the guest's prerogative. I'm going to throw first to Terence. Terence, okay. could you give me your like a general opinion of Mafia 3? What do you think of the game overall? Um, I think the game is... Hmm. The gameplay is rep- is far too repetitive to play it in the short amount of time that I played. Like I finished all like 25, 30 hours in like three days. Um, huh. And that's far too little a time to enjoy the game. Like, the story. I think the story is one of the best stories I've seen in a video game. Um, and, like, I think if I spread out more time, I would have had more fun with it. Or, not fun, but I would have enjoyed it more. Uh, we enjoy um, we enjoy murder on this podcast. It's fine. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not saying fun at, like... In, in regards to like the story like the story is not a fun story to take part in um, but it is a very good story um, but yeah if I, if I would have had more time I think I think spread out the game is very good like if you try to complete it all at one time you're just like man I need more to do okay so. well going in reverse alphabetical order read your thoughts yeah I, I like it a lot too um I agree with Terrence. I think that's the really common complaint, right? That this game is sort of 
you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, yeah. Which I, I think it wouldn't be as big of a deal if the game was a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's definitely a game that, you know, I, I think I was somewhere about 25 or 30 hours to, to finish this thing, and I think it could have pretty nicely been like a 10, 15 hour game. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of a lot of just cruft to cut out, but it... Cruff? Cruft? It's a, it's a word. Right? Oh, huh. Thank cruft, God. Cruft, cruft, sure is a word. A, cruft. cruft is a it's a British dog show. Cruft. What? We have it in Birmingham every year, the, the Cruft yeah, dog uh, show. Cruft is a uh, programming word. Huh. Oh, really? Yeah, badly designed, How? unnecessarily complicated, or unwanted code or software. How'd that get in my head, then? I nice, never noticed nice anything. Because you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah, oh. nerd. nerd boy. The internet's only nerd boy. Oh, I don't want to record it, this podcast anymore. So, cruft aside, Reed, uh, <laughs> what else have you got to say? Um, <clears throat> I, I like it a lot. Yeah, so I, I'm just, I think there's, it's a bit uh, bloated, but um, I do actually like the the action that is repetitive. I like the mm-hmm. structure of just sort of tearing the city apart, just trying to, uh, looking at this giant structure that's set up that, you know, is supposed to seem, and this, like, other open-world games have, have done this, but I think in Mafia it works really well with the story they're telling that uh, Lincoln is just sort of this force of nature who's moving through district by district and just destroying uh, what the Mafia has set up. You know, that's supposed to seem like it's impossible to bring down, and he's just dismantling it all very methodically. I think that stuff works really well. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's long, and I don't know, in general, I think this is probably one of my favorite games I've played in a few years, though. So, mm-hmm. Patrick, I'm more how positive than anything. Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump right on that bandwagon. Um, my thoughts, both positive and negative, mirror those of both Terrence and Reed. Um, this is a thing that I've said. I know I've said a lot lately. Um, I think it's just kind of a a weight around the neck of a lot of good modern shooters. I said when we talked about Dishonored, uh, a game that is good but that gets kind of bogged down by its own need to follow design conventions. Um, Mafia Three is very much an open world game um, in the vein of Grand Theft Auto, and as such, it kind of takes a lot of cues from Grand Theft Auto from mechanical design perspectives and also from like Far Cry and Assassin's Creed games, the whole like expand the map with radio towers, or in this case you like you wiretap phone boxes and you expand your map. Um, and there's collectibles scattered around that you are encouraged to find and just like stuff like that that doesn't really do anything other than pad out the game. Um, but if you mm. can what I did is just sort of basically ignored any, anything extraneous. Um, and if you do that and just play it as though it were a more or less linear story, it's very enjoyable. Um, I think that more than a lot of other open world games, it is able to uh, achieve the the very sought after quote immersive living world thing that people always talk about in regards to Grand Theft Auto. You can walk around the world and feel as though you are influencing it and being influenced by it which I think is always the uh, the mark of a good open world game I think um, I think with this game you feel less like a video game character much like you do in, in the Grand Theft Auto games like 
each Grand Theft Auto game, you feel definitely definitely feels like a video game. Like mm-hmm. there is no other forethought to it. It's just like we're making a video game ass video game. Yeah. While they're while they're trying to apparently tell some story about who cares because Grand Theft Auto is stupid. Crime's anyway. bad, guys. Did you did you guys know that crime is bad? I thought I thought crime I thought crime was good. It depends. Oh depends right, which sorry. One you're playing. Crime um, may or may not pay. We're not quite sure yet. Crime I, crime pays, but there's also taxes. There's yeah, there's there's interest. <laughs> yeah, I think that stuff that uh, what Terrence is saying too about it feeling less sort of like you're a video game character, and I know we'll talk a lot about him, but Lincoln Clay I think is uh, is an utterly fantastic video game protagonist. Yes. He's mm-hmm. um, he is you know sort of in the line of of other great video game protagonists um, in these kind of games like... Uh, like uh, Gordon Freeman. Or... Yeah, <laughs> like just like Gordon Freeman or, or Metroid person. Cloud, Cloud Strife. Yeah, Cloud Strife. Um, yeah. no, no, I was thinking of like, you know, like John Marston or um, uh, mm-hmm. Geralt from The Witcher. Mm-hmm. I think these are characters who uh, they let you control them and kind of help them make choices, but they're so defined as to who they are. Yeah, you you are you are lead, like they are leading you almost through. Like yeah. you, you are you are becoming them instead of you are playing your own character or something like that. Mm-hmm. Totally, absolutely yeah. right. Which I think is is a, maybe the best way to do it in terms of tell, making sure you're telling a directed story that's going to have some impact while still mm-hmm. letting the uh, still letting the player in. You see, um, this is this is where Mafia Three really clicked for me because for the first few hours that I was playing it I wasn't enjoying it at all and I thought it was um, repeating itself all too often and I thought it was very baggy and then I, I can't even remember exactly when the, there was like a precise moment where it, it sort of it clicked with me when I, I started playing you know utterly in the minds or trying to play in the mindset of Lincoln Clay and Lincoln Clay I mean Patrick you said that the world of Mafia 3 to you feels like um, one that you can inhabit more than the worlds of GEA I, I kind of went the other way because I was trying to sort of play it in the way that I might play Grand Theft Auto, where I would perambulate and go and do some of the ambient stuff and, you know, hang out in the in-game cafes or whatever. Uh, and that was making Mafia 3 not work for me. It was only when I started just tearing through it, you know, just mm-hmm. just going from one shootout straight to another, straight to another, straight to another, and just doing... Um, Following that sort of Lincoln Clay's mindset, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna tear this this whole organization down. That's when the game started to click for me, and that's when it felt like um, a, a kind of a small miracle. Because I think that one of the things that open world games have really, really struggled to do, apart from our beloved Far Cry 2, is to give you, you know, freedom and all these hours and all this space to explore, but also still keep you on track with something, keep you focused, give you like a, a, a narrative through line. You know, open world games always just get lost completely. Mm. Um, but Mafia 3 felt like the opposite. If you if you, if you you played it in the mindset of your character, and you can't help but play it in the mindset of your character because he is affable and charming and you want him to succeed and he's good looking and um, you, you really, really just like smile along with everything that he's doing. If you play it in the mindset of Lincoln Clay, this is a game that is both open world but also like narratively almost like watertight. You know, everything you do is building towards the stated goal, towards the, the crescendo that is the ending. And that's an, a remarkable structure for an open world game. It's, it's what's been missing from them, particularly this year, particularly the year before. 
you know, if you play Assassin's Creed Syndicate, that thing's all over the place. It's a it's a mess. You can't walk down the street in Assassin's Creed Syndicate without it throwing, you know, 150 different things at you. Um, but Mafia Three feels very very contained. I guess hey, when hey to, guys, to, my, to, go my ahead, dog's ye- my dog's yelling at me. I'm, I'll be right back in just. A <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just hear him making all sorts of noise. Hold on. Put a mic on him. Um, well, uh, well, Terrence's dog rings. You know, I'll clarify. Ed. Um, when I say it feels like a world that you can inhabit, I guess I don't mean that. Like, there are diners you can go <coughs> and sit at, and like darts you can go play with your cousin Roman. Because um, <laughs> that that all is just nonsense and bloat. I mean that I can spend time inhabiting or running around New Bordeaux for story related purposes or otherwise, and I can, I really get a sense that there's a cohesion there. Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln Clay is. He's not a video game protagonist in the sense that he doesn't just exist to move from quest marker to quest marker. He is yeah. a character, and he reacts to things happening around him. And because he's so well-written and so easy to relate to, I, in turn, react to things happening around me. Mm. Um, and they do... A, I'm amazed. I was amazed almost instantly at how well they used little teeny tiny things to help characterize him outside of what you can do as a character. Um, just kind of quirks of how he speaks or how he interacts with people um, mm-hmm. that you have no control over that really just define who he is so that when you walk into a restaurant to grab a health pack and the proprietor of the shop refers to via a racial slur, it makes sense for you to just slug him in the face. If I were mm-hmm. Nico Bellic walking into a privately owned business and punching somebody, that would not only be monstrous, it would just not make sense. But mm within the logic of the game is defined by the city and also the the character these things all just sort of seem to flow from themselves yeah mm-hmm. that's very true yeah um, and as just as uh, to build on those kind of little moments i mean um this is a game where you're you're meant to feel like a kind of force of nature and just just to tear through whatever and just the the way that lincoln is is animated the way that he kind of runs and holds his shotgun in like one hand and yeah. his 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 shoulders and his physique, you do feel like this this very, you know, preapic and and purposeful. Presence. Whenever whenever he kicks open a door, mm. Mm. Yeah. like he, the way he kicks open a door is the like. I think there's an achievement you can give. You kick open the door and shotgun somebody, but it's still like it's so forceful. Like, cause yeah. you'll 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 kick open the door and somebody will like walk towards the door, like what's happening? And you just shotgun them and they go flying back. And it's like so visceral and uh, like and unlike like the characters don't ragdoll like other games. Like they kind of collapse or something. So it definitely gives it a feeling of more. I, I would I I don't want to say realism. But it gives it more of a something that other games don't have. It's, it strips out some of the the video game ness that we just sort of automatically assume when we play games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I miss death animations. I think death animations are fantastic, and I think that they make the the shootouts in Mafia Three are, are some of the best uh, I've played since I think Max Payne Three. Yeah. Um, you know because they're they're just so like splendid. You know the blood is so plentiful and kind of watery and. Yeah, like Terence was saying, you know, people fly back and sort of spill over each other, but it, it all looks not like a ragdoll, but like it's you know really kind of properly choreographed. And uh, and at the same time, you know, you've got this awesome sense of um, justice and and validation because these people are all you know disgusting pigs, mm-hmm. and and you're punching up at them or you know shooting up at them rather, 
um, and it, it feels right. Uh, I guess that actually that to me is, is the most interesting part of Mafia 3. Um, how does everyone feel about the violence? You know, because I know that violence in games is often sort of throwaway and disposable, or, or on the other hand, it can be kind of like vaguely odious. Um, yeah, I think like I, I really enjoyed like the violence in this game. It it was amazing. Like not not only in like oh video games violence is so fun, but in the way you were saying of how there was a purpose to the violence and like with. Grand Theft Auto games or something like I didn't feel the need to cause chaos like it wasn't it wasn't chaos for no reason like when you cause chaos like when you go to the when you uh, when you break up a uh, like a shipping docks like when you go in there and you shoot everyone in there like there's no reason like there's a reason why you're there it's not like Grand Theft Auto where you could just walk down the street throw a Molotov cocktail at somebody uh, because those people don't have personalities like this whole city is like you hear people talking you can hear you can overhear conversations and even like even if you were walk down the street and somebody says something terrible to you like you still don't have to shoot them but you can <laughs> uh, you'll get chased by the police uh and in a more in a more real way than any of the other games have like like when you get chased by the police here like th- like there's a reason why they're chasing you besides he did a crime mm-hmm. like Right. Yeah. I actually, a thing... Go ahead, Reed, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Go for it. All right, fine. Um, (laughs) uh, This game actually does a really cool, small, but really neat thing where when you're driving, it gives you a meter that basically shows how much sort of roadside chaos, I guess you could call it, you're causing, or how much negative attention you're drawing to yourself. Um, So if you drive too quickly or if you drive on the wrong side of the road or if you hit too many cars or people... The meter will fill up, and if there are cops nearby, they'll start coming after you. Um, I didn't ever really notice it, it impacting anything, actually, but just the fact that it was there, I was constantly kind of mm-hmm. abiding it. Um, like, you are a criminal in Mafia 3, but that, like Terrence was saying, that doesn't mean that you are, like, indiscriminately, like, chaotic evil. Um, like, I would still follow traffic laws. Um, I would go out of my way to avoid hitting people. Um in my car or otherwise because there's no reason to um the thing about lincoln clay is if he's doing something it's very deliberate um Mm -hmm. which is kind of what makes him different from people like sal marcano who kill indiscriminately and the like all the like the, the dixie mafia people that you encounter in the first third of the game for example they're kind of all fair game you always are taught to have like an indiscriminate distrust of the cops both through the the narrative and also just how they they chase you but the actual citizens themselves, I, I almost kind of found myself going out of my way, not to protect them, but to make sure that they were okay around me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that ties in, too, with, you know, what we were saying about how Lincoln is a, a character who you feel like you understand when you're playing him. Um, you know, he's this, he's ex, uh, is he like Black Ops or something? Mm-hmm. He, something he was, like you know, something high up, like he's a, a very good soldier. In, uh, in Vietnam, so you get the idea that when it's, you're kind of fucking up if you kill a civilian, you know, right? Yeah. it doesn't feel right. But when he goes mm-hmm. into a place <clears throat> to like, you know, carry out a mission of blowing up some, you know, whiskey stills or something, uh, everything feels like like you should be doing it as well as you possibly can. Of 
mm. you know, of murdering these people. Uh, but the game just, you know, within its narrative, um, tells you kind of, it doesn't tell you outright, but it says don't kill civilians, don't, uh, you know, it doesn't feel right if you're kind of just causing chaos, I don't think. Well, I, I think that there's a very clever move on behalf of the people who, who designed each of the, the missions, whereby every shootout is located in or at a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, even mm-hmm. if even, even if all the guys are sort of just stood around outside, they're stood around like a like a barbecue and they've got a stereo on, or they're at a swing pool, or you know on the flip side they're they're in a nightclub or they're in a restaurant or they're in a you know a building that they operate. So every time you're in a shootout, uh, you know you, you understand that your targets are the people who are you know of this building or of this like party, and everyone else is just there incidentally. So what Patrick was saying about you know Lincoln Clay feeling like he's doing everything very deliberately, that is I think emphasized by the the various locations that you go to. You go to very specifically mafia hotspots or or you know Ku Klux Klan hotspots or whatever. You you go to where these people are. You sort of you hit them where they eat. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think the only time they they subvert that if not subvert, but they they play with that a few times where I think there are at least one or two times where you have to chase someone down uh, mm-hmm. in a car and it feels you know it feels messy and, mm-hmm. and in a way that it should right like this is spilled over into it feels like you've done it wrong yeah, yeah. you've, you've d- it's kind of like well time to make the best of a bad situation yeah yeah I like that a lot yeah I am um, um, sorry Terrence carry on I don't remember what I was going to say it doesn't matter we can continue on well I was Interested, I think, in what we we touched on there about the city itself. And again, Patrick, going back to your uh, reference, you know, the city feeling um, like a place that that sort of has rules and and you you do belong there. There is a intrinsic sense of city politics in Mafia Three. The the most concrete example, um, which unfortunately the, the the game flaunts this as like a, a a feature, which I think is a bit gauche, but it's it's still it's fair. It's right. Um, is that if you're committing a crime in a, a, a black neighborhood or a poor neighborhood, the police are slow to respond, you know, because you, you, you intercept their call on the radio and they say, you know, I'll go and check it out if you want. If you do something in a, a wealthy, suburbanite, white part of the city, the cops are there straight away. Um, and what I'm interested in is this sense of when you're playing Mafia 3 of being kind of perpetually watched and, and perpetually discriminated against and perpetually um, like underdog is, is kind of too like hero narrative a term but like you are uh, under duress from the city itself and I'm wondering if uh, anyone else had any experiences in, in feeling that you know whether that came through in, in playing Mafia 3 um, I would say I would say it does in a certain sense um Especially when you said like in the, and the when you start to go into like the richer white neighborhoods and whatnot, um, uh, like because Lincoln Clay is not a uh, like he he does not blend in. He is not a he's not an assassins from uh, one of the assassins from Assassin's Creed. He <laughs> he stands out very much so, um, um, but like. I think it also kind of plays into the narrative of like racist white people not recognizing, like not telling black people apart. 
that he can just still kind of exist in this world. Mm. Um, so, so when you're driving through these rich white neighborhoods, they they just notice a black man, not like, hey, that's that guy that's been mm. blowing up literally everything in the city. Yeah, that's a, there's, I, that, there's that very good mission, uh, partly towards the end, which which really directly plays on that, where you go to assassinate one of the mafia oh. capos, and she's hosting a, a soiree, mm-hmm. and you infiltrate it dressed as one of the staff, you know, who are, who are all black. And none of the mafiosos recognize you as Lincoln Clay. They just—I think one of the characters, maybe it's—is uh, it Donovan, the, the the guy from the CIA who helps you? When he drops you off, he directly says to you, "You know that they're not going to spot you because you're you're just another uh, black face to them." Um, and I think that the game does, it, yeah. There's that really really interesting sense of um, kind of being seen and not being seen. It's it's so much more interesting to just walk around Mafia 3 than it is to just walk around Grand Theft Auto. Well, in yeah. a very literal sense, being like being <clears throat> seen is a thing that you're constantly being reminded of by meters on the screen. Like, you're constantly under threat of surveillance either from the police or from just citizens. Like, if you're on a public street, there's a little bar above your health bar that says no witnesses that will go away hmm. um, and pop up when you're in these, like, hideouts. So you, the, the theme of visibility is mm. constant in that game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that stuff is... I I mean, I'm a big fan of, of systems in games that sort of exist only to... You know, I'm sure some people would say, well, there aren't really enough consequences to, uh, you know, getting noticed by the police when you're driving around these neighborhoods um, mm. and things like that, but I, I don't know. It's the way that these systems work to... Uh, make the world feel like it's like I imagine it's supposed to in you know 1960s Louisiana, um, and and the idea that you can repurpose this because you have that awareness thing in the combat if you're trying to sneak around a little bit, it's used in a similar way and so it has that tension of if someone sees me they're going to shoot, and then you have that same kind of thing going on in the world at large and it. I don't know, at least the way I played, and I, I don't think I was playing especially carefully, but I didn't set it off too many times. But it's sort of always mm. there. You know, it's mm. you, you notice the cops um, in, in a way that, I don't know, I think a lot of people notice police in mm. everywhere, but then in this mm-hmm. game, if you're playing as a black man in a wealthy white neighborhood in 1968, fake New Orleans, you know, it's I, th- I think it's really interesting that they kind of have it, so you're you're very aware of mm. of people who could give you really serious problems at any time. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think all that stuff works super well. On the contrary, uh, I think Mafia 3 is also this fantastic... Um, well, literally fantastic, fantastical power fantasy, escapist power fantasy, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I'm reminded of um, films like The Boss and Mr. Keys and stuff in the 1970s, which which had these similar themes of, um, you know, young black men taking on the, the system, the white system, and winning, you know, beating mm-hmm. up cops and, and beating up um, white crime families and stuff like this. And a lot of that is present in Mafia 3. I think I, I wrote on Twitter a bunch of times because it it, <clears throat> it's what kept coming into my head was that the shootouts in this game feel like the 
the plantation shootout from Django Unchained, where you know, just get this this really gratifying explosion of violence, where you're watching all these racist guys just get their guts blown out all over the screen, and it's it's wonderful. Um, so as much as there is this intrinsic sense of very real and and um, very oppressive racial politics, there is also something very freeing about Mafia Three and very gratifying. Yes. Uh, yeah, and again, I'd be interested to hear how much um, people felt that as well. I mean, I, I look forward to uh, when I first saw the trailer <coughs> that had that uh, where you can shoot up the KKK or the Southern Cross or whatever they were called in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, the fake, well, they, they bring up the KKK, but whatever. Um, I was very excited to get to that part. Um, and when I did, I just threw a bunch of Molotovs at them and <laughs> shot them down, and it was the best thing that's happened in a video game. Yeah. Mm. Um, because it's like it's cathartic. It's very cathartic to to like to see somebody receive, uh, um, I guess vengeance or like th- like there is a reaction to them saying something awful. Like it's not it's not just. It's not just a wag of the finger. It's like, hey, here's a shotgun. Here's mm. a bunch of grenades. I just ran you over with a car. What you couldn't do in real life is you go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, like that, that kind of stuff too is, I don't know. It's a key in a lot of, a lot of B movies, right? And a lot of uh, revenge stories of of all types, right? Is is the idea that here's this way this really genuine catharsis to it's you know it's the end of of Django when you've watched all this horse shit going on for uh you know what like an hour and 45 minutes at that point and then it just Mm -hmm. releases it's you know a thing that's been done for a long time like Shakespeare was doing that right um but uh kind of lost my train of thought I don't know I threw the Molotov into those that KKK meme. <laughs> That's actually the one thing that I was thinking about because those guys are technically civilians. You're at this yeah. clan rally, and there's probably about 20 guys in the you know the white hoods, and you're supposed yeah. to assassinate the one guy. And I wonder how many people because I did the exact same thing. I just said fuck it and just yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. And I like like Terrence. I knew that, that that part existed in the game, and I was you know. Uh, biting my nails to get yeah. to it, I, I couldn't wait. Um, I'm kind of yeah. I'm kind of working this out as I go, so bear with me and feel free to <coughs> chime in. But unlike a lot of revenge stories, there's something about this one that has to do with it's not just about committing acts of violence; it's about the specificity of that violence. It's like making a point yeah. to his violence. It's it's not just violence as violence is cathartic in the way that like when you play Gears of War, executing like a down mm-hmm. locust feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, you are, yeah, like you guys are saying, you're looking forward to very specific targets of that violence. So it's not about murder or arson or whatever as such. It's about using these as video game given tools to empower in a way that doesn't otherwise exist. Yeah. I think that another important distinction is I remember Grand Theft Auto 4 has a, a revenge narrative. I mean, the the first target, the overarching target, first of all, is um, I forget his name, but he's, he's a, Vlad, a, I believe, right? 
there's well, there's Vlad. Yeah, he's one of your first ones. And then there's is it like Florian Kravitch? Or no, I can't remember. Anyway, he's, he's a oh, guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. A guy sure. who was in the war in the in the Bosnian-Serbian war with Nico, and he's trying to find this guy so he can kill him. And then once you've killed him, then you have to kill the big bad guy who's uh, Dimitri, who who dicks you over in the first um, couple of hours. And that's that's a revenge narrative also. But the revenge there is very sort of one to one. It's it's Nico and his enemies. Right. Whereas the revenge in Mafia Three, yes, there is the personal element of uh, you know the mafia killed Lincoln's uh, stepfather and brother, but also it's revenge against something much much broader. You know, it's it's revenge on like a a, a system that you know by 1968, uh, well by today, has existed for for hundreds of years. So you're you're taking it out on something like really meaningful. Well, it's the the kind of the kind of stuff I was saying before too about the repetition can hurt this game, um, but I think it also works very well to give the player the sense that they are dismantling something that historically was not dismantled, has not been mm-hmm. dismantled. Um, you know, so <clears throat> when you're doing the same things over and over again, you're chipping away at this this thing, and it's sort of a historic revenge fantasy right it's you know bring up tarantino again but it's like the end of inglorious bastards when this shouldn't have happened and we know it didn't happen in history but now you're watching you know the nazi high command burning to death in paris and it's it's this thing just saying uh it's this strange kind of like alternate history kind of release you know this this sense that these horrors happened and especially if you weren't Mm. alive for them you can only look back and say you know, Jesus Christ, like, I, I don't know. It's it's also different, I but imagine. I, th- I think this game also does a good job of saying, like, hey, even though, like, Lincoln is on this mission, like, not everything is going to change. And yeah. I think um, what the, what the can't remember the priest's name, um, He he's kind of like your anchor point of just, like, every, like, th- things have not changed. Like, things have gotten better, but it's not... It's not what like where it needs to be. Um, like he's trying to do his best under like a different set of rules and yeah. And well, no, I mean, no, it's that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Reed. I was I was going to say that that I think that's very acutely felt because at the end of my game, you know, um, you you have these three compatriots, Cassandra, Burke, and and Vito, and Mm -hmm. uh, depending on which one you've kind of favoured the most at the end of the game and the ending cutscene, if there there are two endings, basically Lincoln can choose to take control of the city himself after he's dismantled the Mafia, or he can leave town and just kind of let it, you know, do its own thing, and I I choose the left town ending because it it felt more appropriate, and if you do do that, the, the compatriot who you've earned the biggest rapport with is the one who assumes control, and in my game that was Vito, so I left town and basically, you know, even though I dismantled the Italian Mafia, uh, the Italian Mafia was back again, you know, being led by, by Vito. And when you see Donovan being interrogated by the, the sort of Senate hearing committee in the, in the 1970s or the 1980s or whatever, they're still all white guys. You know, the, the Senate is still all, the government is still all white guys. Yeah. So there is, that, there is that kind of bittersweet sense. And you're right, it is present in the, uh, in the Reverend character that, Yes, this this feels good, and you are doing something. You you are striking a blow, but again, as uh, Reed, as you pointed out, you know the game takes so long because this stuff is so entrenched. You know this this system is just firm, and uh, yeah, that that really sort of colours the whole game in a, a different hue. Yeah, and I I like that. I 
I definitely uh, noticed what, what both of you guys were saying too um, I kind of like that it doesn't end with you know Lincoln <clears throat> mayor of New Bordeaux yeah. sitting yeah. In, in control and, <laughs> and saying here we go this is uh, you know we changed it we, we fixed we fixed the south <laughs> and yeah, even um, I looked up the other ending, like where he does take over. Uh-huh. Um, and even then, he's not like mayor. He's just like this rich old guy yeah. that is just like has his fingers in the underbelly and all this stuff. Like it's not. Uh, they say a lot in the game um, that even if you even if you complete your mission, like things aren't going to change. Somebody else is just going to move in. And either that's going to be you or the three others. Yeah, and you so. you definitely get that sense as you're going along too. Like you you understand that your your three lieutenants, none of them are going to be a great choice. And you you know the thing is like we've talked a lot about how great Lincoln is too, but he's also you know at times you get reminded that he's kind of a scary guy. This yeah, is a, yeah. This is a, a real piece of shit. The point <laughs> I keep coming back to. He's very likable, but he is not a good person. Like even a yeah. little bit. And they don't try and make him a good person. No. Yeah, I wrote about that in my review, which I thought was very good because, uh, with, like, that's my problem with um, I, basically every Grand Theft Auto game, where it's just like your your character is dicked over by something, but he's still technically the good guy. They don't really try to. They don't do enough to show that he's a bad guy. Like um, yeah. Like in in GTA Five, like Michael, it was like, oh, he's just a guy trying to get his family to blah blah blah, or well, like, who cares? Or, oh, Trevor's a crazy guy, mm-hmm. and like they they didn't do enough to show that, oh, they're actually really terrible people. Like they the the game still painted them as just like these lovable fuck ups instead of like terrifying people. Well, that's it. I think that under the kind of simple narrative rubric of justifiable revenge um a lot of games kind of wipe your moral slate clean you know never to be written on again you can do it as soon as it's a revenge story you can do what you want and there's no ambiguity there um and i imagine that is quite freeing for somebody writing a video game but yes i don't think that is true of mafia 3 personally though the weakest part of the game for me was when it it moralized over lincoln uh i I didn't care, you know. I thought, okay, whatever. He's he's maybe got some bad qualities, or what he's doing is vaguely questionable. But um, uh, compared to what he's up against, it's it's nothing, you know. I didn't need, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't need that ambiguity. Uh, I understand why it was there. I, I also think it's a it's an important thing to to humanize Lincoln and make him not just this superhero of you know righteous vengeance, and to give him some some sort of down thumbs is is needed to make him an actual person but i was enjoying the game i think at its most when it was uh unambiguous Mm -hmm. that's yeah i think that's a big thing to unpack because you know like we were all saying too it's it is enjoyable and cathartic and you know the the mafia and the like clansmen pseudo clansmen and all these people you're killing are some of the you know some of the people you most want to kill in a video game next to mm-hmm. you know doom monsters or or nazis you know yeah. um but there there are times too cuz i'm i'm kind of of two minds about i do agree with you ed on the surface of not wanting that moralizing because it is true lincoln is you know he is justified in a certain sense but i think you 
the game is trying to say with the way it ends and uh, uh, just sort of the way it's structured toward the end that this is all kind of a perpetuating cycle in, in mm. some sense that that you're trying to fix things and it's the way he's fixing them you know as a Vietnam vet he's coming back and he's just you know fucking up the city some more hopefully to get it in a better place but then it's kind of going to end up at roughly the same place anyway mm. um I don't know. I, I don't have a conclusion for that. I'm just kind of curious what I you think guys think. Some, I think there's there's something very true and, and observant um, in the game doing that because I think that you know not to not to put the two up against one another, but I you know you watch like The Wire or you read the books by David Simon, and the implication there is that despite a lot of the best efforts of people, they all belong to an institution, and these institutions are cyclical in nature, and, and city life is cyclical in nature. So, you know, whatever change you affect as an individual, to some extent, probably to a complete extent, it will eventually go back to, you know, a, a status quo, albeit a, a sort of perverse and, and deformed status quo. Um, and to have that there is, I think, fundamentally important because, uh, as was touched upon a few minutes ago, if you ended this game with, and then Lincoln Clay rescued the South and everything was better from now on for black people in America. It would no. be it would be it'd be two things. One, it'd be it'd be false and it would you know, be very, very visibly false. Two, I think at that point the game becomes uh, to be utterly blunt, the game would become like a white man's game. It'd become a game mm. it'd become a game where um, you are Absolved uh, of guilt. Absolved of guilt, yeah, because you've played this as a white person and you've you've rescued the South for, for black people and uh, yeah, it, it, everything was fine because of what you did. It would become a, a kind of liberal white person's like wet dream at that point, and to actually kind of insist that the oppression continues to exist and that things don't change overnight just because of you know like a, albeit a very 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 affecting black individual that feels like more honest and I think very true to the subject matter. Yeah, so I guess then it. it comes down to kind of what I was saying before with this you still have that catharsis but it's I guess you recognize that it's small scale yeah in a way it's small, it's small scale and also I think it's again another important distinction to be made I think with Mafia 3 and uh, with the way it plays with the fact that it's so spectacular and it's so violent and it's so bloody and it's so kind of joyous is that it makes a point I think consistently through doing that that this isn't real life, you know. This isn't how it actually works. Sadly, you know, this isn't mm. this isn't going on, uh, you know, this quickly or this rapidly or this kind of noticeably, you know. Um, yeah, you can attack these problems and attack these kinds of people in this game, and it's a kind of splatterhouse exploitation, fun experience. But there is an underlying implication that, uh, in reality, this isn't how it works, and and that in itself is probably more worthy of your attention than you know this video game mm -hmm. that's interesting so a, big, a big question I have kind of building on that and this is probably unanswerable and we'll probably need to break it down into smaller chunks but what does that say about the capital R role of a game like Mafia 3 in 2016 specifically the 2016 that we inhabit right now because I don't know that <clears throat> this probably wasn't intended when the game was in development but it's a game about killing racists in America 
who have effectively defined the social and political conditions. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking around right now for, for emphasis. Like, look mm-hmm. at where we are. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and, oh, man, there's really no good way to, to dig into I this. I think... Like, in the same way uh, that, like... I know, go ahead, sorry. I know what you're, uh, I know what you're trying to say. Um, but I think it does a... Like, um... There, there aren't video games ever really that tackle this subject, and even in real life, I think that bringing like it's. I think the game goes to prove that it's always been around. Like this sort of racist undertones or even overtones have always been around, and like this year has just gone to prove that it has never gone away. It has always been around. Um. I'm sorry, my dog is yelling at me for some reason. Um, Make sure you include him in the show notes, Reed, as a guest contributor. <laughs> so he's he's just looking at me with the saddest face right now for some reason, and I have no idea why. It's probably because we're talking anyway. about the state of modern America. That makes me <laughs> more sad. Um, and uh, I don't even remember where I was going. He's just he's being awful. Um, uh, about them showing that this that this is uh it's not a 2016 problem so much as it yeah it is it's it's been a problem for ever um and i think i think with it being a big budget triple a game i think it's it's good that this game exists like people may people may say like it didn't do a good enough job but like at the start it had like we have to start somewhere like this game mm-hmm. this game can't isn't going to isn't going to drag up every problem but i do think in this what do you want <laughs> <laughs> well can i help you it's not going to drag up every problem but i think that, yeah <laughs> so i mean another game that we've covered on this show is battlefield hardline which is this you know oh, odious mode <laughs> shit show and mm-hmm. You know, that's a game, basically, again, to try and break this down, if somebody asked me, uh, explain modern American or British politics to me, I wouldn't say to them, go and play Mafia 3 and it will give you like a sense of what's going on, because I don't think it is like a, it's not a lot of essayistic quality or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I would be much, much more reticent to say, go and play Battlefield Hardline, because I mean, Battlefield Hardline reflected today's politics, but in a way that like, Championed and, and sensationalized the worst aspects, whereas Mafia Three makes like a, even if it's a, only a surreptitious effort, to to point out you know what is right, what is actually worth pursuing, and what is wrong. Um, so I think it's it's definitely a game of its time, but I don't know. I I say perhaps what it can tell us about its time is is limited to an extent. Um, mm. I, but again, Terence, as you were saying, that it even exists. I mean, just think about the AAA gaming scene you mm-hmm. know, uh, over the past five years and then think of what Mafia 3 is. Mafia 3 is a game where you play a young black Vietnam veteran in the 1960s killing white people. That's to me, like, and it's a AAA open world boxed game. That to me seems like a, a small miracle that that made it yeah. through the you know meat grinder. And um, to some yeah. extent it's, it's such <laughs> a, it, it seems like such a, I mean, you look at books and you look at movies and you think, well, is this worth celebrating? But I, I don't know. It's, it's it seems like the way things get more dynamic and more thoughtful in in 
the mainstream of this space is is slow. And you know, Terrence. Well, I, I, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I think it is worth celebrating because I think that the audience for video games predominantly is the audience that most needs to hear this stuff. The film yeah. the film audience has probably become slightly more accustomed to having this subject matter dealt with in front of them, or certainly the literature audience has. But the video game audience, I think, is notoriously. Uh, Close-minded, close-minded, and, and closeted, and, and used to having you know nothing like this in front of their eyes. Well, yeah, and I so. think I think underserved in a way too. I think talked behind too. Yeah, we're um, we're yeah. talking about people though who got angry when EA put a black soldier on the cover of Battlefield One because yeah, they exactly. accused them of blackwashing history. Yeah, precisely. Well, yeah, but um, then you also think of how many people there are out there. And I was thinking this too when Ed was saying. Um, if you want to show someone modern America in a video game. And I think one of the things you can say about uh, Mafia 3 is it, it is pretty blunt sometimes in its messaging of saying this is this this time that we're trying to show you. But I think it also expects sort of a bottom, like a, a, a bare minimum ability to think of the player. Mm -hmm. To say this is what we're showing you, we're not going to tell you outright what we're trying to say. Like I think a lot of games do, it, it's it's expecting again sort of. There's a, no Paragon or Renegade meter in Mafia Three. Exactly, it's it's showing you this this world and this character and this storyline, and some of it's a I, bit messy, and you might be thinking for a few minutes after it ends, which <laughs> you know it's such a low bar, but it's. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> but there they so, are. Historical fiction has existed in games for, for some time, but I think that where so many games, they use history or, or an historical setting as uh, an excuse to sort of liberate their designers because we're not looking at it as, oh, this isn't like our world because we don't know the historical world. So they can, to a, to a degree, do what they want and you know they can introduce all this, all this cool shit. Um, but Mafia 3 is, is a game that I think uses a historical setting for something that is, is more valuable, perhaps in the way that like a, a show like Mad Men uses a historical setting, which is to use right. it uh, as an allegory for the modern day. You know, you, you watch Mad Men and they're, they're you know, awful to the, the women in the office and they're, they're, they're using racial epithets you know, readily and without any sort of remark at all. And you think, well, you know, this is still going on now. And it's the same in Mafia 3, whereas other historical games like Assassin's Creed... What the fucking Assassin's Creed tell us about today? Nothing. Um, I don't think it, it, uh, it That there to. is a secret organization. Yeah, like er, been everything's being controlled by the Knights Templar. The Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just horse shit. Um, whereas Mafia 3 makes a, a, a earnest effort to say something about now with it being set in the 1960s. And that's also the historical fiction, bare minimum. I think too. Yeah, is, it is. Is, I is totally. don't don't explore a, an era in human history if you don't have anything to say about it, you know. And, yeah. and Mafia Ooh. Three definitely is saying they're they're not just saying here's here's our version of 1960s Louisiana. They're saying this is what this you know awful period in American history means, or mm -hmm. not not what it means. That sounds grandiose, but just this is why this is worth thinking about today. Yes, and so that's relevant. I think, probably at, at any point, right? Yeah. Um, we're at the kind of fifty-minute mark, and it's. I think it's always helpful to keep these episodes under one hour. So what I want to do to to finish off is I want to. I'll go first to Terence because we've 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 praised the game quite a lot. I just want to know if anyone has something, um, maybe not like minor complaints, but any anything big that stuck out to them that they didn't enjoy. Like Terence, is there something about Mafia Three that you didn't like particularly? 
Um, there were there were some moments where I, I felt like I like the the like going into a mission and finding out who exactly to kill first. Like it, it, like every everything kind of felt like a a chain reaction of when someone was going to find you. And, like, when you would have to have your shootout, like, I didn't feel like everything could be done so stealthily all the time, even though there is, like, a stealth option. Um, and I felt, I felt that was, that was kind of, like, I, like, which, which block am I going to push first? Um, mm-hmm. And if I didn't push the right block first, then I would get killed. And that felt kind of annoying in some, in some situations. Uh, like there's always groups of guys bundled up together and you had to like I had to figure out who I was going to kill first and like sometimes it didn't feel right like uh, like I was doing it the right way or the way the game wanted me to um, and that's probably my biggest complaint Patrick um, honestly my biggest complaints are sort of mechanical um, and a lot of the like a lot of the systems that don't need to be there. I, I don't think games need collectibles for the sake of having collectibles anymore, and I will I will say that until the day I die. Um, like all the we we talked very briefly about like the wiretapping stuff. I just thought was extraneous. I didn't even do that. Yeah. I mean, um, and even just like you don't want to. They're trying. You don't want to look at nineteen sixties no, dudes. The, <laughs> I want to say I want to say something about the Playboys real quick. Uh That it was almost like it was very quaint. Like I enjoyed those Playboys because it wasn't it wasn't like internet (laughs) pornography, which is just like this torrential nightmare. (laughs) Like (laughs) looking at like the Playboys in Mafia Three, I was like, this is just an attractive woman, and she has (laughs) some of her lady bits, and like it was just like nice to look at. It wasn't like it wasn't like this screaming hellscape of porn that comes from the internet all the time. That's uh, okay. Fine. Maybe maybe I'll let the the, the Playboys slide, but <laughs> it, it does seem to go out of its way to to pad itself out. There's way too many yes. optional side missions where you're just basically driving to one point, killing people, and then driving back. Sort of like the the GTA mission structure. In GTA, there's mm-hmm. basically three types of missions: kill this guy, follow this guy, or beat this guy up. Um, and Mafia Three kind of kind of does that. the The actual missions that you perform for Cassandra Vito and uh, Burke, Burke, yeah, keep wanting to call him Doyle for some reason. <laughs> um, those are actually interesting and give insight into the, the characters, which I think any any good mission should do. But the stuff in between, like drive into the the bayou and pick up this shipment of weed and deliver it, like oh god, no, I don't want to. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that kind of you read. Yeah, sort of what both Terrence and Patrick are saying. Uh, I, th- I think it's the times that the game kind of shows its its systems a bit much. Um, mm. I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, it's it's always I don't know it's it's not great the way I you know the way I like games is when I don't feel uh, the programming as much when I don't feel um, the way Terrence was talking about. Kind of separating a clump of, of AI dudes over and mm-hmm. over and over, and just feeling like you're it's it's you pushing buttons to make a robot do things. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think for me the biggest thing aside aside from some of that structural stuff uh, was, and this might be too big of a thing, but I don't know if it needed to be New Bordeaux. 
I don't know no. if maybe it would have been better to have it uh, to just be specific. New Orleans. Yeah, just yeah. Well, I think no. I think it's the difference between allegory and history. Yeah, but um, I the stuff this stuff didn't happen in New Orleans, which I know is a, a stupid niggling complaint, but yeah, but then still like it would have like been more. Po- yeah, it would have been more potent, I think, if it was New Orleans, and if they were called the fucking Ku Klux Klan, and not the the Southern Cross or whatever. You know, that that felt to me like a really strange cop out. I was almost wondering whether there's some, you know, well, there's really a there's a part thing. There's a part in the game where they where they specifically say the Ku Klux Klan. Like right. they're like these these people are just like he was like Lincoln goes he was like he was like so it's the KKK. It was, and Donovan says something along the lines of. Uh, like yeah, they're they're just trying to go under a different name so they don't seem as shitty. yeah right. Oh okay, I missed that. Okay, fair enough. But um, also, I think I don't know. This is me being crazy and paranoid, but the the KKK still exists and is still a political entity in the U.S. that is active and mm-hmm. has members that are real people theoretically. Mm-hmm. So if you throw in a game where like I don't know, it w- it would be like having a game where you run around Wall Street and murder you know like. Goldman Sachs investment managers. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Watchdogs too. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, precisely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know though. I, I think you, you name that stuff. You make it specific. You know, I'd I, say I, 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 agree, I agree with you hundred percent. Well, I'm just trying if, to... if I was writing this game, I guess one of the things that would be at the back of my mind when it came to. Um, name dropping the Ku Klux Klan would be uh, do I want to give these people in real life incentive oh. to go out and actually hurt someone you know yeah um, that's yeah would, that's a good point you know? so if, if that's what they were thinking if they were trying to prevent you know some sort of awful reprisal for you know we've been killed in this video game so we're going to go out and kill someone um, but that might still fucking that could still happen anyway right well yeah yeah, yeah but if they're just trying to deaden the impact you know a little then, yeah, obviously that's that's not gi- right not giving somebody a reason to show up on the new local news, but like, well, he played this video yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fucking bullshit. Um, my my largest gripe, I think, is a it's kind of a mechanical one, but it's also thematic. Um, it's just the fact that you can order up cars and and guns and equipment, and yeah. you, you get mm-hmm. you get all this money to do so, and. Obviously, the game is framing you as this this young black man who's swiping up at the kind of moneyed white system, uh, and is operating from a, a position of disadvantage. And yet, you are you know tooled up to the nines, you know at the at the push of a, literally at the push of a button. Um, and that felt again like a a contrivance that's come from you know that's something that you can do in. Um, can you do that? Yeah, you can definitely order up a car in Watch Dogs, and you can order up guns in Just Cause and mm. uh, whatever. They're definitely a video game ass video game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a convenience and sure whatever, but it, it's it's a real kind of glaring thematic inconsistency. I mean, Far Cry Two handled that pretty well. You can still do that. You just have to go and get them. Yeah, go, going and getting them is is like such a big change. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just that small thing. I mean, it, it made the game slightly more arduous, but but fair. Yeah, it's some of the presentation of it too. The idea that you can just kind of have this armory delivered to you really quickly. Yeah. Um, because you do want the money stuff. The <laughs> this is also this seems really small, but it did bug me. He has so much fucking money 
but well, in the first, mm-hmm. in the first I almost like, hour, never spent any of it. Like I would get killed, and you lost five thousand dollars, and it'd be sort of like, yeah, okay, that's fine. No. But it's in just the first st- hour, oh, sorry. I accrued like I was gonna say I, I accrued like ten grand in the first hour, and I, I actually went and looked this up, and I, I put it into like an inflation calculation. <laughs> it was something like six, sixty-five thousand dollars by today's standards. Yeah, I kind of was just thinking that you can make those numbers smaller, and then yeah. make the guns. You know, just kind of have some sort of in fiction explanation that maybe these are black market guns, and then you know the mm-hmm. better guns that you're getting, maybe you're stealing them from the mob. Just to make it mm. less, to still have it, because you want Lincoln to feel powerful when he's going into a place. Um, mm. You want him well, to have the equipment, but you don't. I don't know. It's tricky. I, th- I, th- I think that's the eternal question. How do you tell a story that is both about a person who is historically disenfranchised that is also a power fantasy? Yeah, that's a difficult tightrope to walk. But I think it is the responsibility to 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 walk it. They do. Um, they do some good stuff with I, you can tell they have thought about it I, I think it's really notable that Lincoln is in his army jacket and boots and kind of looks a little mm. yeah, yeah. He, even even after you unlock new outfits I refuse to, to change his clothes because it just felt false to have him not wearing that mm. because yeah it kind of marks him as you know he's he's a guy who just came back he's a he's a vet when vets weren't super well respected and uh yeah there's actually a really great scene very early on um, before any of the main plot points happen where you're sitting on a bench waiting for Ellis to come pick you up right. when you've returned from the war and this old white guy in a suit comes and sits next to you and it's, it's a great bait and switch because given the context of the game it's the sort of thing that you think you know how the interaction is going to go and then he he makes a comment about how you are just coming back from the war and he rolls up his you know white work shirt sleeve and he's got like a marine corps tattoo on his arm and he says that he served in the marines in world war ii and he says i think the line is i just want to give you a piece of advice just because your home doesn't mean you're back or mm. yeah something possibly, the in, possibly the inverse of that i'm not sure um, and then just leaves and as far as i know you never encounter him again and yeah it was just a it was a really the, the game front loads itself with a lot of really small but really poignant moments like that. So it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and they can make it easy at times too. And I think it's important to remember that it's very deliberate, right? That Lincoln has just come home from Vietnam, and mm-hmm. and how that uh, they they never belabor it other than you know you hang out with Donovan, but for the most part he yeah. just seems like your your science friend or something, you know. <laughs> I love the, I'd love the relationship between Donovan oh, and, uh, and Lincoln. Um, just like, like, j- like joking about like all this horrible stuff that they're doing, and like Donovan not giving a shit that he's a government employee, and just how smug Donovan was about everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought just their relationship was great. Um, yeah, they both just hope for it. Should we talk at all about the one thing that kind of? Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to. I, the one thing. What's this? The the, the very the last end of thing the that game. Happened. The very end. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. I I it was fun. I was I was standing like leaning over my chair, like looking like what the fuck was <laughs> so, this game? So to the audience and uh, to, yeah, to anyone who hasn't finished the game, uh, 
you, you finish Matthew 3 and, and Lincoln Clay either assumes control of New Bordeaux or he drives out of town and, and thus the credits begin. And then part way through the credits, uh, this cutscene plays and throughout the game you've, you've seen this kind of flash forward of John Donovan being uh, interrogated by this Senate hearing committee about the events in New Bordeaux in the 1960s. And all of a, all of a sudden uh, Donovan turns the questioning round on the sort of head uh, interrogator and accuses him of being part of a government conspiracy to assassinate John Kennedy and says that he found some files in amongst Sal Marcano's files that uh, implicate this senator in the assassination of JFK uh, and pulls a gun out and shoots the guy <laughs> and uh, it's kind of revealed that the only reason he ever appeared in front of this hearing in the first place was to get close to this bloke so he could shoot him and then he says you know I'm going to I'm coming for the rest of you you know everyone else who was involved in this conspiracy I'm coming for the rest of you and that's the true end of the game is <laughs> is John is Donovan revealing that he's he's on the trail of the JFK assassination conspirators now yeah it's unnecessary <laughs> and it's 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 real dumb uh, yeah <laughs> but it was it was great it really made me smile i thought yeah, yeah this character doesn't have any sort of propriety and he is just up for it all the time and he yeah, he, yeah I, I liked it's it it's cemented it's cemented Donovan's character as just like 100% yeah, yeah and when it when it first played out I was thinking like no that's just too stupid you know yeah but then at the, at yeah. the same time I was thinking about it <clears throat> a little bit and I don't know in the context of the game and I'm, I'm willing to give this game some some faith just because it's it's I think until it got to that point I was really on board with everything it was doing and mm-hmm. I took it at face value of, of that being a thing that happened you know and being maybe he did find something and they're they're trying to suggest something but it also works really well as just Donovan is just this guy who's kind of becoming more and more unhinged over the course mm-hmm. of the game mm-hmm. and then here he is at this this hearing and he's willing just to shoot a senator for uh, you know that that he has no no being, faith in being, the system anymore. Being, yeah, but well, it's also hilarious and just like a a good dumb thing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is a game like without wanting to get too serious about it. Uh, this is a game that wants you to attack the system and wear a smile while you're doing it. And at the at the very end, you know, Donovan shoots an American senator, and it's funny. You know, it's like it's. I think tonally, it's the right place to end because you've been yes. you've been attacking the system with a big dumb grin on your face the whole time uh, and then he's going after the people who assassinated the president and it's it's a laugh um, so it ends it on like this this I think appropriate up note um, yeah I, I was all for it I thought it was it was good fun yeah uh, um, right well we are we are over our 60 minute cut off mark uh, so I think we'll cut off there um, but yeah, that was Mafia 3. It is <laughs> available in shops now. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, certainly one of the best games I've played this year. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone else agrees. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's top marks from the Bullet Points podcast just, for Mafia 3. The last thing I'll say about it is just, this is a game that um, I think when you play it, and I know all of us uh, play probably too many video games, um, and they all kind of start to blend together, and then sometimes you see something like this, and it's it. I don't know. For me, about halfway through, it just kind of. I had these suspicions about how much I was liking it, and how 
I was getting really convinced that it was a very smart game. And about halfway through, I think it just kind of you have realized that this is something that I think we'll be talking about for a long time. And, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a good feeling to uh, see a big, well, you know, big budget game come out that you can tell is something that's going to be around. It's it's definitely a benchmark, I think. Um, yeah. I think we're definitely going to be seeing a lot of using Mafia 3 as sort of a litmus test for how well or or not games are able to tackle serious subjects. Not necessarily subjects of race, but serious subjects mm-hmm. that are real and can't be ignored or glossed over with going bowling with your cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Roman. Um, or, like, I feel like more AAA games will definitely tackle bigger subjects and it, uh, like bigger subjects just won't be like some uh, game on itch.io right yeah about like a because yeah because i feel like prior to t- 2016 if you wanted a game that had a capital m message um you had to look to smaller game developers and then you know the whole keep your politics out of my games thing and i think this is a perfect example of a game that is 104 percent political from start to finish yeah but it's still very much a capital letters video game in the sense that it, it yeah. does everything that a game should do. It's better for it. You know, I yeah. think Watch, Watch Dogs 2 is better for its political leanings, Mafia 3 is better for its political leanings, or not even leanings, but just, you know, inclusion of politics and, and mm. social discussions. It makes these games better, not not worse or any less capital F fun. Um, no, I, you know, that argument is, is just so fucking fatuous. Um, well, it's the idea these that... Games, these games are better. It's the idea that every game, you know, as as we've said again and again, every every product of a, a culture is political, whether it wants to be or not. It's it's mm-hmm. showing something about what it believes. Um, and for too long, you get games that kind of just seem like they're <laughs> they're they're flailing around trying to appeal to the broadest possible audience, which in itself usually says something Spec about what the dominant political attitudes are of where it wants to sell well and I think what a game like Mafia shows is it's saying we have opinions and we are going to express opinions which is is nice to have someone it feels like it's made by artists instead of marketers Pe- you know just <laughs> yeah, uh, people who are saying they have control over what they're saying they understand that they're going to be saying something and are doing totally. it deliberately Okay, well, we're going to end the show on uh, in typical fashion by taking... Uh, we usually take a, a quick recommendation, something that you've been enjoying lately, apart from the game that we've been talking about. It doesn't have to be a long recommendation, but just something that you'd maybe like more people to, to try out or give another chance. Um, I mean, Terence, is there anything that you've been playing lately that you think is worthy of people's attention? Um, not that I've been playing lately, but I just saw that uh, they released a new trailer for Hands of Fa- Hand of Fate 2, if you haven't played the first one, I would definitely suggest it. It's this weird kind of single-player D&D campaign, almost. Right. Um, where uh, you you have, like, this... De- like, you're, you're talking to a dealer. He has this deck of cards. And, like, uh, each each card is, like, a different action that will take place in the game. And it's... Uh, and sometimes there's combat sections. And you, like, upgrade... You, like, get different uh, equipment. It's, like, roguelike elements and... It's a really cool game, and it's probably on sale right now since it's on Steam. Um, but they they announced the second one, uh, which will be coming out early next year, and I think you should check out the first one. Under Fate. Under Fate. Patrick. Yes. yes. 
Um, I'm a little ashamed to admit it, but here we go. Since it is now free to play, I've dived back into Eve Online. Uh, it's shut up, Reed. I, I that wasn't. I <coughs> laughed. I laughed more oh. quietly <laughs> than Terrence. <did. laughs> um, not not in the like playing it like a hardcore MMO sense, but it's it's kind of like my screensaver game. Um, mm-hmm. I'll kind of I'll jump into an asteroid field and just kind of start mining space rocks while I'm doing work or you know whatever else. Um, and it's it's actually I find it very relaxing because the Everything about that game is in, in the the cool color palette, the colors, the music. Um, it's just it's really chill, and it's also it takes place in space, and the ships are really pretty. Um, and it's free now, so I don't have to feel guilty about spending time on it. Patrick, you should do it. You should. I just want Patrick to do a special edition of the podcast by himself, a six-hour episode where he plays Eve and talks right, about what he's up to. Yeah. yeah, it would be really boring, but that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It has to be All minimum right. six hours. He long. wants he wants Eve ASMR. Yeah. We, will, uh, we will make that a stretch goal. How's that? Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just killing time because I don't know. I have played some stuff that I haven't liked very much recently. So I don't know. I can give the counter recommendation that I didn't think the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare was was all that hot. Uh, right. It, it opens with with some really interesting stuff, but. It, I, I think that game kind of it's very bland uh, you know what is hot? Titanfall 2 I have complicated feelings about that but yes <clears throat> that game it's, you can play Titanfall 2 it's pretty. It's a pretty good time this is going to be an interesting discussion that I want to hear more about Titanfall? Reed and Terrence go head to head on Titanfall 2 alright <laughs> there that, there's, there's an episode that we've booked in for further down the line then no let's just clap now and then start going <laughs> Um, my (coughs) kind of very mitigated recommendation because I don't think it's a great game but I've been playing it over the weekend for something I was working on and I I think it's it's one that we definitely need to do at some point on this show because uh, it's speaking of politics and games and and representations of you know the current I don't know social mindset or whatever uh, the division is really something to behold um, oh, yeah. I play a lot of that game. I will definitely do that <laughs> if you do an episode on yeah, that. Man, I, the division is something. I mean, it's complicated, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But um, I've been enjoying playing it in that sort of reptilian, oh my god, more numbers, more guns, more loot kind of yes. way. Um, yes. Which is just kind of irresistible. But at the same time, it's uh, a game where you're kind of trudging around New York, shooting starving civilians to death without any... Um, authority above you telling you not to so it's a it's a real fucking showpiece for 2016 um god that game came out this year yeah it's out in march yeah um so yeah if you good lord i forgot about that if you've not tried the division then um yeah go and get your hands dirty with that one is that Um, console specific no no No, ps4 xbox one pc yeah Okay, well, I've got it on Xbox One. That pretty much wraps us up for this episode. Of course, you can go and look at our other episodes at bulletpointspodcast.com, and you can read some of our written work at bulletpointsmonthly.com. We're just finishing our month on Battlefield One, uh, and by the time this episode goes out in a couple of days, we'll be starting up our last month of this year, looking at Hitman from uh, Square. Hitman. Uh, but you s- Hitman. would you say would you say at the end of this month you'll be Battlefield done? Yeah. Be ba- <laughs> yes. Nice. 
Yeah. Worst guest ever. Can, <laughs> no, I think can... I think Terrence fits in very well around here. <laughs> With that kind of nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be Battlefield done at the end of this month. I can't think of a pun that means like we're beginning and also that goes with Hitman. Uh... No, no, there's nothing. But if I if it'll, I think of if I think of one, I'll the shit, it'll, it'll be man. the shit, man. Yeah. If I think of if I think of one, I will um, email it to Reed to put into the show notes. Oh, great. Um, okay. Well, once again, thank you for listening, Terence. Thank you for joining us. We had fun. It was a good time. It's a good time had by all, and we will hope that on the next episode we'll have an equally good time. <laughs> uh, Wait, where then, can we find everybody? Oh, oh yeah, sorry, I always see the Twitter handles. Yeah, I'm at most sincerely Ed Reed. You are at Reed McCarter. Patrick, I'm uh, at Han Freak and Solo. And Terence, I'm at the Black Nerd. So if you want to read our work uh, or just follow our fucking shitty and aim thoughts, then go on to Twitter and look at those Twitter handles. Uh, and also you can follow this show at the renamed Bullet Points VG. We are no longer Bullet Points Pod. We are now Bullet Points VG on Twitter. So please give us a follow. Okay, well, thank you for listening. And we'll join you on the next episode of Bullet Points. Bye.